Good day and welcome to Partake. Today we're going to start a, a new mini-series in the Book of Acts, and we've entitled this "The Church Beginnings." Jesus' resurrection is the catalyst for the mission of the church, beginning with the disciples and down throughout history. Indeed, the growth and spread of the church is a proof of the historical fact of Jesus' physical resurrection or rising from the dead. And having been raised from the dead, Jesus' mission to earth is coming to an end, and shortly he will be returning to the right hand of the Father. Before he does so, though, he has some more words to say to his disciples. Let's read Acts chapter 1, verses 1 to 12 together for what happened between his resurrection and ascension. The first book I wrote, Theophilus, concerned all that Jesus began both to do and to teach until the day in which he was received up, after he had given commandment through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. To these he also showed himself alive after he suffered, by many proofs, appearing to them over a period of forty days and speaking about God's kingdom. Being assembled together with them, He commanded them, Don't depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father which you heard from me. For John indeed baptized in water, but you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, are you now restoring the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It isn't for you to know times or seasons which the Father has set within his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You will be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. When he had said these things, as they were looking, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. While they were looking steadfastly into the sky as he went, behold, Two men stood by them in white clothing, who also said, You men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus who was received up from you into the sky will come back in the same way as you saw him going into the sky. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mountain called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. Throughout the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus' authority had been a major theme. And where Matthew recorded Jesus doing miracles, this was to highlight Jesus' authority in action, and not just merely in words. The Gospel of Matthew records Jesus' authority to forgive sins, and he imparted authority to his disciples for a short time when they went on a mission in Matthew chapter 10. And in Matthew 28, Jesus has authority over all things, all people, all circumstances and happenings. Jesus has authority over all spiritual beings, whether angels or demons. Jesus Christ has authority over all nations, governments and rulers. Jesus Christ has authority over all earthly and spiritual authorities. Jesus has the authority. That's we can gather from the Gospel of Matthew, particularly Matthew 28 verses 18 to 20. And this authority 
means regardless of whatever Christian disciple faces, Jesus is in control. Therefore, we can obey him without fear of retribution from those who would seek to harm us. We can obey him regardless of the circumstances we find ourselves in. It is a great comfort to know that he is in control of everything. And through his death on the cross and his rising from the dead, Jesus has conquered all enemies. Now I know that people sometimes confuse authority with authoritarian. An authoritarian means severe, rigidity and a dictator. And none of these can apply to Jesus Christ. The disciples had been given a free will, as we have, but as his disciples, we should choose to exercise our free will to obey him and live a life worthy of him. Certainly that was his message to his disciples in the New Testament. And as the Christian depends on Jesus' authority, the Christian disciple gains wisdom, guidance and power. And if Jesus had not risen from the dead, then the disciples would not have had a story to tell. But as we have seen and know, Jesus had indeed risen from the dead, and the early church exploded numerically as the twelve disciples exercised Jesus' authority and his power. And we read about the growth of the early church in the book of Acts. Christianity is a faith whereby all people who claim to follow Jesus Christ are to tell others of the goodness of God. Indeed, God himself is a missionary God. Ever since Genesis chapter 3 and the fall of man, God has been on a mission to bring and call people back to himself, back into relationship. That was the purpose of the nation of Israel, to be a light to all nations about the goodness and glory of God. That was the purpose when God, who was outside of time and space, entered human history, taking on human flesh, and restricted himself in a human body as the man we know as Jesus Christ. Jesus' whole mission was one of calling people back to life and relationship in God. And as followers of Jesus Christ, all Christian disciples, all those who would follow him, are to evangelize in one way or another. And evangelism is showing and telling others of God's message of reconciliation to all people of all time. It is not forcing people to adopt church standards, and nor is it simply a message of join the church as a symbol of good works. And why evangelize? Well, the prime motivation for evangelism should be out of gratitude for what God has done, done in that we love because he loved us first. Paul, writing in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14, writes, For for Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And as his servants, his followers, we are to tell and live of God's reconciling message. As I said before, we are to do all the work of an evangelist, 2 Timothy 4, verse 5. And in those last words of Matthew's Gospels, Gospel. All Christian disciples are to make disciples throughout the whole earth. Making disciples is not just evangelism, but ensuring that guidance and care is given to all new Christian disciples. How is this achieved? How can the Christian disciple exhibit Jesus' authority and power in evangelism? Who gives the impetus for Christian disciples? That is the part of the role of the Holy Spirit, whom Jesus said would come 
once he had ascended back to the right hand of God the Father. And Mark 16, verse 14 to 19, Luke 24, 50 to 51, and Acts chapter 1, verse 1 to 12, we read about Jesus physically ascending into the heavens. He is returning, as he said he would do, to the right hand of the Father. And during this last discussion with Jesus, the disciples were still expecting him to lead a political revolution against the Romans. Acts 1, verse 6. And despite all Jesus had said to them in the previous three years, they still did not understand that Jesus had come to lead a spiritual kingdom and not a political kingdom. Hence he tells them to go back to Jerusalem, wait for the Holy Spirit, and then go tell others this good news about him. And even after Jesus had vanished into the clouds, the disciples still gathered around looking in the sky, waiting for him to return. So two angels came and said, You men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus who was received up from you into the sky will come back in the same way as you saw him going into the sky. Acts 1 verse 11 And from there the disciples returned to Jerusalem and waited. They didn't have to wait long, ten days, until the Holy Spirit came, filled them, baptized them, and started living with them. And this is all in fulfilment of Ezekiel chapter 36 and verse 27. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Where almighty and all-powerful God will indwell those who choose to follow him. And throughout his ministry, Jesus had talked about how after he was to depart, that the Holy Spirit would come. And we know from other writings in the New Testament who the Holy Spirit is and what his ministry is. The Holy Spirit is spoken of as God. The attributes of God are ascribed to the Holy Spirit. Attributes such as life, truth and love. The Holy Spirit is also a person. and is always referred to as He in the New Testament. He relates to us as a person for He is a comforter, guide and teacher. He can be blasphemed against and be grieved. And wherever the Holy Spirit is, the Father and Son are also present because they are all one. And throughout the book of Acts and in the other New Testament writings, we discover more about this Holy Spirit. We see that his prime role is to glorify Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and make sure that he is praised and glorified. And the Holy Spirit will testify for Jesus Christ, witness for Jesus Christ, and be involved with the ministering to members of the church as Jesus would be if he were there with them physically. The Holy Spirit declares God's word, interprets, illuminates it. He convicts of sin, transforms, indwells, fills, baptizes, and seals the believer. With all this, the Holy Spirit also equips for service. God is at work in his body, the church, to will and to act according to his purpose, to be Jesus' witnesses. This is evident in the book of Acts and the other New Testament writings. And how is the Holy Spirit seen? The Holy Spirit's work is in evidence where people's lives become more holy and more like Jesus Christ. And sometimes the Holy Spirit does work in powerful ways with miracles. But he also equips Christian disciples for service through the giving of spiritual gifts. Not just the more spectacular gifts of healing and miracles, but also gifts such as mercy, generosity, helps and service. And we see in the rest of the book of Acts 
how the Holy Spirit empowered the early church. And because of the impetus he gave them, the church is still growing and expanding throughout the world 2,000 years later. In this short series of studies in Acts, we will look at some of the key events in the life of the New Testament church, as recorded by Luke in the book of Acts. Thank you.